morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of First Peter. We're going to be focusing our attention this morning, First Peter chapter one, starting in verse six, going through verse nine this morning. Now, uh, as you will see in your bulletin under sermon, you have written if necessary. I've been informed by the session that it is necessary to have a sermon. And so we will have one this morning. No, really, that's not about whether or not we'll have a sermon. That is the title of the sermon this morning, if necessary. You'll see that phrase come up in our reading this morning. And we will see the power of that phrase in the life of those who follow Christ in faith. So let's turn our attention now, starting in verse 3. We'll go from verse 3 through verse 9. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us go to him in prayer. Father God, we come to you now, we come to your word and we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see and understand your word. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you would bring comfort to your people and that you would draw us away from this world that we might cling more tightly and look with greater anticipation and joy for the coming of Your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we do pray. Amen. Have you ever thought to yourself, is this really necessary? You buy one item at the hardware store and you get a receipt that's like a yard long and you think, is this necessary? Your child's toys have a whole booklet of warnings that say asinine things like, this is not food. A couple of weeks ago, as you know, my family and I flew out to Washington State. And after sitting through the safety instructions for the fourth time, I was thinking, you know, is it really necessary to tell a whole group of adults how to insert the tab of the seatbelt into the buckle? I mean, I've just navigated the complexities of the TSA security check successfully. Shouldn't I be given the benefit of the doubt that I can buckle my own seatbelt? It's frustrating to feel like your time, your money, 
your energy, your emotions are being wasted on unnecessary, pointless expenses and obligations. There are so many other demands on you. Why should you have to be forced to go through rituals that seem to have no purpose or meaning? Why should I have to suffer when there's no good reason? Now, of course, this feeling extends beyond the little annoyances of life that we like to complain about. Although we're working on that, right? The real question of necessity sets in when we endure true hardships, real struggles in life. In our passage for this morning, we come to a people who have, as Peter says in verse 6, been grieved by various trials. Now that phrase is broad enough that we realize Peter is seeking to encompass more than just persecution and martyrdom. He doesn't mean less than that, but it seems that he is seeking to speak to all the trials and hardships that we endure in this world. For this world is broken, this world is hard, and for Christians, this world is often hostile. So why does God allow us to be grieved by these various trials? Is it really necessary for us to experience grief? For if we believe that God is sovereign, if we believe that all things are under His control, why could He not providentially ordain the life of a Christian to be trial-free? Evangelism would be a lot easier if that were the case. Right? You could say to your neighbor, you know, if you give your life to Christ, your marriage will be perfect. Your kids will always obey you. Your business will prosper. You will be healthy and the world will love you. But the reality is, God in His sovereign control over all His creatures and all their actions has ordained that His elect exiles. That is, He has ordained that Christians be grieved by hardships and trials. It's so important that you understand this reality before we move forward because this sermon won't make any sense to you if you don't understand this. God is in control of all things, not just the good things, but also the hard. As we read in Isaiah 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. It might be hard to hear this. We might balk at the idea that God would create both well-being and calamity. But the alternative is unimaginably hopeless. Namely, that nothing is in control of this world. That hardships and trials are just the result of randomness and chance. That God is dead and that your struggles are not necessary. They're pointless. But the Word of God is teaching us this morning that there is hope. That there is meaning. That God controls all things by His good and wise providence. And that if you endure hardship in this life, there is a reason. It is necessary. Look again at verse 6. It says, In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. If necessary. 
Do you see that in that in our text? This is our hope for this morning, that if you are enduring a trial in your life, if you are enduring a hardship, it is only because God has deemed that hardship necessary in your life. There is no randomness. There is no frivolous trials. There are no meaningless struggles. There are no pointless, strained relationships in your life. What we will see this morning is that Christians will experience grief only as it is necessary in light of God's loving and infinitely wise purposes for you. Now the first reason that the Lord may deem various trials in your life to be necessary is that He is seeking to refine your faith in Him. Look at verse 7 of your text. It says, so that, right? Why might it be necessary that we are grieved? Now we have the reason. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why might God ordain you to be grieved? So that your faith might be refined and become more genuine. That is, so that your faith might become more pure and result in the praise of Christ. The purpose of refining gold is to make it a more pure metal. And this process involves melting the metal down in a crucible. As the metal melts, the impurities are either burned away or they are separated out so that they can be poured off. And at the end, you have a purer lump of gold before you. And the Lord is ordaining trials in your life so that through the crucible of suffering, He might burn away the remaining impurities of self-confidence and doubt. When we endure trials, it becomes evident rather quickly that we are not in control of this world or even of our own lives ultimately. When things are going well in your life, it becomes easy to delude yourself to feel that you have everything together. You feel that your well-being is primarily a result of your own wise decisions and talents. And pride begins to set in. Right? You're good looking. You make a good living. You work out. You have a fit body. In the eyes of the world, you're a moral person. And you begin to think, you know, I would never say this out loud. But I'm a pretty good person. I got this thing together. I know what I'm doing in this world. And this is the most dangerous place that you can be in as a Christian. For when we are in a place of ease, our hearts often begin to be divided. We are drawn to the world and we are drawn to the Lord. And therefore, in His grace, the Lord sets the fires of affliction burning in your life. As Richard Sibbs says, to smoke you out of this world. To remove from you the fuel that feeds your pride and self-love and to drive you to Christ alone. In the book of Numbers, as we saw last year, the Lord did just this. 
listen to what the Bible says in summary about the Lord's work in the people of Israel as they are exiles going through the wilderness. It says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and He let you hunger. God humbled them. And He ordained that they would be hungry. And He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Why? That He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Why might the Lord deem it necessary to bring various trials into your life? To discipline you. To burn away pride so that you might know that you live by His love and grace alone. He deems it necessary so that He might give to you a faith that is refined. Now, so often the Bible says things that just don't make sense to our natural minds. In particular, the Bible continually makes a connection between suffering and joy. Listen to a few verses. James 1, 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Romans 5, 3, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Psalm 51.8 Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. And Acts 5.41 Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That doesn't seem to make sense to the natural mind, does it? Joy and suffering? And here in First Peter we see the same connection. Look down at verse 8. Why would the Lord deem it necessary to bring various trials into the life of a Christian? Here in verse 8, in light of sufferings, Peter says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The fires of affliction not only refine our faith, but they also refine our joy. For they burn away our earthly plans for joy, that we might find all of our joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Peter says in our text, we haven't seen Jesus, right? We didn't see Him. And we don't currently see Him. We don't see Him right now. Our current separation from the Lord makes it very tempting to put our hope and our joy in the things of this world. Right? We can't see Jesus. We can't see our hope. We can't see our joy. So it's very tempting to run to the things of this world. We find joy in security. We find joy in wealth and acceptance and peace. But the Lord employs various trials 
to undo these plans of joy in our lives so that we will look to Him alone. That we might find all in Him. Listen to the example from Moses' life. We read in Hebrews 11, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was raised in the household of royalty in the most powerful nation in all the earth at the time. But he refused to receive that. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. What is the reward? The reward is Christ. Joy in Christ. Is the reproach of Christ greater wealth to you than the treasures of 21st century Lynchburg? Are you willing to place your joy in Him? It is only God's grace that can loosen your grip on the wealth of this world. It is only His loving and caring discipline that can teach us that the joys of this world are fleeting and the love of Christ is eternal. This is why trials of various kinds are necessary so that you will be drawn away from your joy in seeing things and driven into the joy of the unseen Lord Jesus Christ. As Puritan minister Robert Murray McShane explains, it is indeed amazing how God makes use of affliction to make us feel His love more. This is the key. Christians, we shouldn't love or seek suffering for the sake of suffering. That's not what this is saying. Nor should we seek to punish ourselves or to submit to abuse from those who should be caring for us and protecting us. That's not what God's Word means. Rather, when trials inevitably come, we rejoice because they are opportunities to turn from this world and to cling to Christ, to feel the brokenness of this world and to feel the wholeness of Christ, to know His love more fully. We rejoice because our sight, though still far, has become more clear. For it is in our affliction of suffering that this world is loosened from our grip and we find our true joy in Christ. A joy that the fires of affliction have refined. So why might God deem it necessary to bring affliction into the life of His children? Well, first, to refine our faith. Second, to refine our joy. And third, to refine our Our soul. That is, God employs various trials in the life of a believer as part of our continuing sanctification. Look down at verse 9. It says, Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This process of being grieved by various trials is part of the continual application of salvation to the soul of a believer. You see, the word translated obtaining 
at the beginning of the verse, has a sense of a continual ongoing process. Now we understand by God's word that the moment a sinner places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are forgiven of their sins and justified by God's grace alone. They are sealed and saved for eternity. However, the process of salvation has just begun. You've been reborn into the kingdom, but you must grow into your citizenship. The process of salvation does not end with your initial act of faith. It begins. And throughout your life, you should be obtaining more and more of the effects of your salvation. Growing in holiness and maturity and Christ-likeness. As John Curd explains, suffering in this process of sanctification is like the diamond dust that the Lord uses to polish His gems, preparing them to shine even greater on the day of His coming. That is, through the process of hardships and trials, the Lord refines our souls so that we become more and more like Christ. Paul, in the book of Philippians, explains this dynamic saying, For His sake, That's for the sake of Christ. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. So what are we to do when we're grieved by various trials? We are to rejoice. Not because of the trial or the hardship, but rather because we know that the Lord has deemed it necessary through trials to refine our faith, to refine our joy, and to refine our souls that we might become more like Jesus Christ. Do not despair when trials come into your life, but run to the Lord. Seek Him in His Word and in prayer. Endure hardship with patience, knowing that it is preparing you for the eternal weight of glory. Now, I do not say this to make light of your past or present suffering. Right? I don't say this as one who has never suffered myself. I've had my share of trials to endure. And I don't say this as one who does not acknowledge that you have endured things in your life that I just don't understand, that I don't know. I don't know everything you have gone through. I don't know the hardships, physical, emotional, or spiritual, that you have to deal with on a daily basis. I know that there are many of you here today that have endured unthinkable trauma and suffering. And I don't mean to make light of that at all. You might be thinking to yourself, God would not deem such a thing necessary. Now, I think two things are important to understand in light of the depth of our own suffering. First, many of our trials will remain a mystery until the coming of Christ. I do not, nor should you claim to know the specific reason that God has deemed it necessary to bring a particular trial into a person's life. It is vain to seek the secret will of God. And second, know that God does not ordain suffering in your life as one who has not suffered himself. 
For when the Son of God became man and the man Christ Jesus, He entered into a life of hardship and a life of suffering. He endured much rejection and persecution. And on the night that He was betrayed, He called out to His Father, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. Do you hear that? Jesus calling out to the Father, is this necessary? Must I endure this hardship? Must I endure this cross? Jesus with the suffering of the cross before Him, the physical pain of torture, the emotional rejection of betrayal, the spiritual torments of God's wrath called out three times, is this necessary? And in faith, the Lord Jesus submitted Himself to the Father's will to crush Him. In the joy of the salvation that He would achieve, He endured the cross and poured out His blood. And the desire to make us sons of God, heirs of an eternal inheritance, He suffered the cross as the means that God the Father deemed necessary to achieve the salvation of His people. So when the Lord deems it necessary for you to endure various trials, look in faith to the crucified and risen Christ, the One who went to the cross to achieve the crown. And through His sufferings, purchase for you a life to come. Purchase for you a citizenship in a country where the Lord will deem all of our sufferings to end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.